This is the Auto Body Podcast, presented by Clarity Coat. We'll get stories and talk to people from all over the industry. Painters, body guys, manufacturers, and anybody in between. Let's do it. Welcome to the Auto Body Podcast. Auto Body Podcast. Presented by Clarity Coat. Now, here's your host, Adam Huber. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And I'm going to say it right now, this is the epitome episode of the year for me. That's not like I'm just I know it's super early in the season, but I don't care. We have Rachel Murrayon and she is from Ireland. And for you guys that don't know, I am a third Irish. So, Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm so good. <laughs> Literally could not be better. <laughs> um, I was just telling Rachel before we hopped on that I actually have a Celtic knot tattoo on my shoulder, my left shoulder. So like it's I I going to Ireland is probably one of my um bucket list items. Uh I know it's not Ireland, but Isle of Man, uh to go see the yeah. sport bike races, like that's top tier. Yeah, the TP. I, you could just bury me right in that road and I'd be good to go. <laughs> uh, so Rachel, how are you, uh, kind of tell us a little bit about like what younger you was like, or actually, you know what, let's, let's, let's not do that right now. Let's actually ask. Um, so you're in Ireland, but where exactly in Ireland are you? And then what are you doing right now? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm in Belfast um, in the North of Ireland and um I'm a freelance car spray painter. So um, I technically term myself as a freelance paint sprayer because I don't just paint cars. Like I've done super yachts, I've done uh, race cars, um, lorries, trucks, buses, everything. So um, I, if, it, if it sits still long enough, I'll paint it. <laughs> it's kind of the way I work. <laughs> uh, so, and you're using traditional painting equipment for that or have you kind of ventured into like um like spray paint like aerosol paints and stuff like that um everything so we do a lot of um custom uh mountain bikes and stuff yep. um for all the championships and the old time we would do we would maybe use aerosols to get a desired effect or we use airbrushing or um like stencil work sponges you know anything that that makes the sort of effect that you need Nice. That's awesome. Um, okay. So before we go too much down that road, because I'm so stoked to just like talk about all of this, <laughs> but, um, talk to me about like, what is young Rachel? Like what, how did she grow up? Was her dad just like a car nut? Like how, how did you get into this crazy world? So nobody in my family likes cars. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode that just came out today i'm sorry to interrupt but the episode that just came out today uh mike monahan is from england um where at in england i don't know but yeah, I, I oh you've worked with him oh yeah. man okay well see 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 now you're just propagating the idea that it's so tiny over there that everyone just knows everyone else <laughs> um but it's so funny because he he said the exact same thing he said that his parents um, didn't own a car until like, I don't know, he was a teenager or something like that. And that was like, how does, how does that even work? Like you couldn't even do that over here. <laughs> okay. So none of, no one in your family is a car nut. So then how did you get, get to enjoy cars? 
I, I actually don't even know how it like actually started. I think my, my dad likes rally cars. Um, so, you know, whenever I was younger, he would have took me down to the rally stages and um, we'd have watched it. And I always wanted to sort of work on cars. And then I went to like a posh grammar school and I done my A-levels, all my qualifications. And they wanted me to go to university. So I was kind of being pushed down that route. And basically what happened was um, I passed my driving test on the 12th of January, 2016. Okay. And I crashed my dad's car. <laughs> what car was it? <laughs> it was a Citroen C1. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. I mean, I know what Citroen is, but I don't know what C1 is. It was tiny. Okay. It was tiny. Um, it, it downgraded to that so that I could use it whenever I was 17. And um, yeah, I crashed my dad's car three and a half weeks after I passed my driving test. Do you at least have like a cool story behind it? Like, were you racing someone or was it just... I mean, I, I really thought I was Ken Block <laughs> in a front wheel drive, one liter non-turbo. <laughs> um, I mean, that's not that bad. Yeah. I had, uh, uh, do you, you guys have Mazdas over there, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so this was, uh, you're, I'm assuming you're a little bit younger than I am. I'm 33. Uh, you don't need to say anything past that if you don't want to, but, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a Mazda 323 and um, it's like, think of like a Ford Escort um, hatchback, but it had like a 1.8 liter inline four. And that was the funnest car ever because I just, it didn't matter what you did. You always got 30 miles to the gallon and you could just beat the ever living piss out of that thing. And it would just take it um so oh, I, I i totally understand i mean one point leader uh, a one oh that's that's pretty small but i mean small cars are yeah. fun man yeah well i mean i i just completely ran out of talent on my own in a car park may i add <laughs> and i wrecked it like i wrecked it and um basically at that point i had gone i don't want to go to university i really want to work on I uh, really wanted to work on cars and I'd enrolled in a college course to do rally sport mechanics. And no matter what I did, I couldn't get work experience in like a garage. No matter what, like no matter where I went, everyone was like, no, we're not interested. Like we don't really want, that. we don't want you by whatever. So whenever I crashed the car, the guys fixed it at the body shop. Um, so because I decided not to do um uni then I had like dropped down in one of my subjects and I had a day off a week so I basically went in in my school uniform which was a skirt down past my knee and with a box of beer and a box of chocolates <laughs> and I was like I just need work experience like can, can I brush your floors like I don't care what it is like I just need to say that I've been in a garage and I'm actually interested and luckily enough they were so supportive um, so it was a it was a place called KRCR and it was a um a father and son run body shop and uh, the dad uh, Ricky he literally just took me under his wing so on the first day he had me painting like a set of tra- or tractor wheels and there's a photo of me and the wheels are bigger than me <laughs> and I'm holding like an old style suction fed spray gun and I'm holding the bottom of it thinking it's gonna fall off and um. Yeah, that's basically how it started. So then I I dropped the rally sport mechanics and I just went for paint like painting. And I ended up I got my apprenticeship in one of the main like dealerships in Northern Ireland. 
and um, yeah, I got qualified there and then started my own business in 2018. Nice. That's awesome. So, yeah. Okay. So, first of all, the fact that there that you can go to some sort of school for rally sport mechanics sounds badass. Like <laughs> that's so that's yeah. so cool. I'm not sure if there's. I'm sure there is a school that you could go and do that in um, North America somewhere, but I've certainly never heard of it. So, is the whole idea behind that like learning how to do like just everything with a r- r- rally car suspension, um, drivetrain, yeah. all of that? Yeah, and it was to do with um, like manufacturing roll cages and all the safety aspects of it, and and all that kind of thing. I kind of wish I'd done it, to be honest, as in just to get, just to understand it a bit more because my my background isn't mechanical. I like I would maybe try my own car, my own van, but I'm not I'm not a mechanic. Um, so yeah, I I probably wish I did do it just for the fact of doing it but i'm glad that i'm painting yeah yeah well i mean we're glad that you're painting too because (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome to have it's awesome to have you here so the man i'm just trying to imagine a schoolgirl uniform with beer and chocolates (laughs) like that uh, i mean i don't every single tech guy listening to this right now is like fuck yes like (laughs) (laughs) sign me up so do you think that the problems that you have because there's a lot of kids even in the u.s that they walk into a shop they say i just want work experience or whatever and they're gonna have a hard time getting it um whether it's male female whatever so do you think that the main problem that you ran into was because you were a female trying to show interest in doing this or was it just because of age or what's your thoughts i think it was a mixture of both i think um because i was in because i was in a grammar school and pretty much everyone that went to a grammar school went to uni. I think people just, whenever I went into the, the body shop or into the workshops, they were kind of like, oh, you're wasted in the trade. Like, you should be going to uni. You should be going to do something, like, I don't know, medicine or something. Um, So they didn't really take me seriously. Um, And even, like, the guys that took me on, like, they all had bets in the whole, um, in the whole yard on how long I was going to last. And, I mean seven years on and I'm <laughs> I'm still there but um yeah no, I, I'm not I'm not sure that there was I've only had maybe two or three workshops not want me because I'm a girl and specifically you sort of said that but I, I genuinely think a lot of it was down to age and whether they thought I was actually interested or I just wanted to say I've done it you know like a tick box yep what so I think it's more that. So you, this is you around 18 years old that you're going into these shops? 17, 17 yeah. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, I, I can imagine most shops here, if they, if they saw any 17-year-old, you know, you have a lot of guys that are out there that'll say like, oh, I, I'd take a kid if he walked in and said, do you want it? But would you actually, like, you know, yeah. like, because it, it's... It's just a whole other thing where you have someone that you're taking them under your wink and then you have to have that responsibility to like teach them, grow them and everything like that. Like a lot of people don't want that responsibility, but I'm glad that you did find someone that did want to take on that responsibility because it seems like you're killing it now. So <laughs> like good on them for doing that. Um, so your first couple of jobs, I'm guessing, I'm guessing your first couple of months probably was just like them giving you kind of like 
the shittier jobs to be like okay is she actually sticking around or like what was the first couple of months honestly not really like they were throwing stuff at me like um honestly they're they're amazing um completely amazing um i remember ricky coming in the work one day and he handed me a set of keys and i was like like do you want me to bring it into the workshop or or what's happening and he goes no i got you a car and i was like what and he goes i got you a car for the field so that you don't wreck it on the road <laughs> so you don't wreck your own car on the road again <laughs> so he'd, he'd bought it and the um the wing was stoved in and i was like oh but it's all damaged and he was like fix it like learn how to fix it so then i, I panel beaded it out um i metal finished it and then painted it and that was the first proper vehicle bit that i painted um so like they they threw everything at me at the start because they wanted to see i think it was to see if i would stick at it It was we'll give her all the really hard stuff and you like sand and paint off things that you know maybe took me four hours constantly sanding thinking that i was going to give up on it but i loved it so i just i just kept going man what an incredible way to um in someone in your position like i truly cannot think of a better way to one see how serious someone is and then number two to show them there's something that i've realized about this industry um rachel and i think this goes for most service-based industries but there is a there is a thing that clicks inside of you when when you fix something and you get to look at it and say yeah i fixed that and it almost doubles when you get to say that's mine and i fixed it what an incredible way for someone to see if you had that spark or not is to give you something that's broken and say, here, you need to, if you want it to be nice, you got to fix it. And then what a great test. What a phenomenal test. Um, One of the things I don't think I've ever talked about this on a show. So like, this will be a first time, but I usually repeat stories a lot. So, (laughs) but I used to get asked all the time how I interviewed um, guys that were going to come onto my detailing team. And so I used to be a car or used to own a car detailing business and I did it kind of, I don't, I didn't think it was unconventional, but apparently this is very unconventional. So it would basically be two or three meetings. First meeting was, I just wanted to sit down and talk with them and get a, and see if I could get a good vibe from them. Right. Because you're going to have to be there with that person every single day. You want to know if they're going to be fun to be around. Right. Um, you don't want to stick in yeah. the mud. And then So after that, then I would tell them that they have another interview, which is a paid interview. And then when they would show up, I would put an hour on the clock and I would say, I'm not going to give you any instructions. I'm not going to tell you how to do anything. You have to detail this part of the car. You need to do this part of the detail with and do as much as you can in an hour. And I just want to see what happens. Now, the whole point of that was not to see if they could get it done in an hour or the whole point of it was not to see how good they did it. The whole point of it was I knew they were going to miss things and I knew they were going to have to figure some things out. I wanted to see if they could do that. So when I would go and inspect their work, I would, I would very calmly say like, Oh, Hey, I noticed that the, this spot wasn't done. Did you miss it? Or like what happened there? And depending on how their answer was, determined on whether or not I hired them. So what I mean by that is if they responded back with, Oh, well, you know, you just kind of threw me to the wolves and you didn't teach me anything. And like, 
you know, how could you expect me to do a good job? I was like, mm, I don't know if I necessarily want that person, right? Because that sh- yeah. I don't want someone who's defensive about um trying something and then not being not being um adequate at it, right? Or understanding that there's a learning process to everything. What I looked for is for the person yeah. to say hey, you know what? You're right. Like I was concentrating on the time and like I got in a hurry and I just happened to miss it. Like, you know, how would you, how would you fix that? Well, boom, that's a teachable person, right? You can, I can teach that person how to do anything because car detailing, just like a lot of service. mm, I don't know if I could say this with car painting, but it's very process oriented. It's very like, you just do this and then you do this and then you do this and then you do this. And then Blah, 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 right? Yeah. Anyways, and then the third interview is basically, I would narrow it down to like two people. And then I would sit down and ask them like, what do you want out of this job? And if they told me that they wanted to detail for the rest of their lives, I was like, but do you though? Like, come on, let's be real. Like, this is a five-year career. Yeah. And then I would tell them like, you tell me what you want after this. And I am going to do everything in my power to build you up so that you have that thing so that when you leave here, you're a better person. Like, I know you're going to leave. Let's be, let's be real with each other. You are. So anyways, and that's how I used to do it. So when you tell me that some, that your owner or whoever, what manager got a busted up car because you needed one and then said here, like you can have this, but if you want it to be good, you need to fix it. May I just get so excited. I'm like, that's that is that right there is a great way to start someone off in this. Like I don't know. Do you have any comments or ideas? Yeah, it was literally amazing. Like I I, I couldn't have had a better start. Uh because it was it was so inspiring as well over the fact that because he was so passionate about the work as well, it, it just it just made me want to be like that and you know I spent the past seven years you know every every time I do something I'm like oh like you know would he would he have liked that would he have been proud of me doing this or that and you know from that I ended up as well again like a a life mentor out of it as well like he used to refer to me as his adopted granddaughter and like that's how that's how I ended up you know (laughs) um so it, it was it was amazing i physically could not have asked for a better a better start that's, that's so phenomenal um did so when you actually did attempt your repairs and everything like that did you did he come over and look at it and say okay well here's how you could have done this better or did he kind of just let you sit and simmer on it for a little bit well, i um i'm very i'm a very questionable person like i I don't like I don't really like to get things wrong, but um I'll ask stupid questions four hundred times to try and stop that. Obviously if if you can't do it, you can't do it. Um so I kept stopping him and being like, What about this? What about this? What I do here? And he was like, Look, do you know what you need to do? Just take stuff apart, hit it with a hammer. If it works, <laughs> great. If it doesn't, work out why it didn't work and then and then go for it. He says, then come to me and explain it to me. As in, why did you choose to do it this way? And then he can help me understand better rather than me getting it perfect the first time and not learning anything from it. Because if you get it perfect the first time, 
like it's not going to happen in real life. Yeah. yeah, that's man, that's phenomenal. So yeah, that is so good. Um, yeah. What a. So did you? Were you getting paid to do this? Or is it just minimum wage that you were getting paid? No, it was on pay. It was on pay. That's great. <laughs> that's, that's so good. Um, at what point did? Was there a moment in time where you were doing the work and you were like, this is, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, I just can't imagine doing anything else. Literally the first day. <laughs> it was the 24th of March, 2016. And I, I picked up a spray gun for the first time and I went, this is just the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's phenomenal. And I want to do it. That's phenomenal. <laughs> um, so at what point did they take you on yeah. as um like a paid employee then they never did i i just done one day a week from um march until i left school in september and then um i had to get an apprenticeship which would be a paid role so we done um five weeks in your uh in your work in, in your working environment and then one week in college so um they didn't have the didn't really have the facilities to take me on so um they helped me get into um the main dealership in Belfast um and then I I went there um paid but like up until they closed um I I'd help them out at weekends or whatever whenever needed that's awesome what uh what was the car dealership like what brand uh it was it's Lookers in the UK but um over here it's Charles Hurst so they do like everything. So we done all the the specialist vehicles as well. So we done Ferrari, Aston Martin, Bentley, um, Maserati, all of them. And then you have all the main like um, car brands. So the only one we didn't have was we didn't have Volkswagen and BMW, but pretty much everything else we had. So that's interesting. So it, is it pretty typical for you guys as dealerships to offer a huge range of um OEMs like that? Yeah. So you would have like a main sort of over brand, like you know, like a an umbrella. And then they would have like different branches. So they would have like Charles Hurst Nissan, Charles Hurst Toyota, and then you know split it that way. But the the body shop, because it was the main one, um, we done everything. Holy cow, you guys must have been busy. <laughs> yeah, we were really busy. Uh how big of a facility did you guys have? I'm not sure the exact size, but there was, I think there was 37 on the floor, 37 staff on the floor. Jeez. And it was split into four, um, four sections. So there was mechanical uh, down one end and then there was um, like strip of fit MET and then there was painting and then there was um, metalwork. And that was all under one building? And then there was, um, yeah. And there was two, two big spray booths and one smaller spray booth. Wow. So the smaller spray booth, I'm guessing you guys are just doing like bumpers and like real quick um, jobs like that. Yeah, we, we mainly used it for like primer work and then because um, then we didn't really um, clean it as much and then used it for like the like the primer and then um, the, the main two spray booths and kept them quite clean and put, you know, your base and clear through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so your guys's mechanical was trained on all the different oems as well like ferrari jaguar and all that kind of stuff yeah you you would get ones that would like specialize you you'd maybe have somebody who done um ferrari and bentley and they'd went and done the specific training on it and they would be like as well as being a standard mechanic for the other ones they would be you know specialized trained and whatever else that's crazy because so over here we we could have a similar setup where um well i'll just say so we have a local dealership called billion right yeah but you have billion chevy billion toyota billion ford you know whatever right uh but they're all separate buildings and they all have their own mechanic bays in there and some of them have their own dedicated body shop as well but not not too many but so it's it's crazy to me th- to think that there are facilities out there that would house all the mechanics for all the OEMs that they service all in one building. Well, they would have for each specific dealership, they would have a specific mechanic for oh, that. Okay, I meant as in, in the body shop, it was like a mechanical for the body shop. If you get gotcha. me, okay, got it, got it, got it. Yep. If something came in and it needed like you know suspension work and jig work, then the mechanic would would do that bit. Yeah. Okay. That makes that makes more sense now. Sorry, I do I didn't I didn't catch that yeah. part. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. Okay. So you're you go to this uh, dealership. Are you still at that dealership now or? No. No. Um. I left in uh 2018. 2018 to start your own business. That's. That's yeah. awesome. That's so just entrepreneurship. Like you, so you, I mean, you've, you've owned your own business now for, uh, it'd be five years. So what was that first step? Like, like how, wh- what, what series of events happened to where you were like, Oh yeah, I can go and do this myself. Um, <laughs> well, I actually thought I was way better than I, I was at the time. Um, <laughs> So I basically I I came out um once I finished my qualification. So um my college wanted me to do world skills and do all this competition work and um I only got UK level. Um which is still good, like I'm not I'm not taken away from it, but I then decided that I was just I didn't get it because I was too good or whatever. And I just went I'm I'm too good for anywhere, so I'm gonna work for myself. <laughs> and then I very, very, very quickly learned that I wasn't. Um, so then basically what happened was because, um, everyone was really supportive of me whenever I was doing my apprenticeship, which is amazing, but they were almost scared to tell me that I'd done something wrong in case they put me off. Um, but in doing that, I never learned the basics. So I was running before I could walk. Mm. So whenever I went self-employed, I basically had to reteach myself how to do everything. Um, so I was contracted out to two businesses. So because I'm freelance, um, I work about different body shops or different sites or, you know, people phone me and go, I don't know, like one of them, I painted a 63.4 meter super yacht in Italy, um, which was really random. But because I work that way, my first two contracts, um, unfortunately had to basically reteach me. Mm. So I ended up thinking I'll, I'll leave being employed to be self-employed and make loads of money and then ended up having to drop down nearly half my wage just so that I could learn uh, which was really hard yeah. but it paid off so is this something that it's a is fairly yeah. common in 
um, Ireland then for you to be a freelance um, painter? Uh, no, I don't know any others. Nice. At all. I was gonna say I I don't. Yeah. I'd be... Well, I I know a couple. I know a couple that do it in like commercial work, as in you know like um, I know a guy that does it um for like you know like tankers and um like big like cement mix and stuff and all, which is really cool. Um, but that's about, I've seen it quite a bit in commercial, but not in cars. Yeah, uh, you're the first person that I've actually ever heard that um does something like that. So, how did that process come about? That did these companies like approach you and say like, hey, you know, if you wanted to make a little money on the side on weekends, like we don't have a painter, we don't want to hire one, like we'll pay you to come in and do the work. Like, how did that process happen? Um, I kind of at the start, um, it was because I wanted to. I didn't want to stay in one place. That's what I didn't really like about being employed because if you stay in one place, you can only ever be as good as the people around you and you don't get to learn other different things because you only know what's around you. Um, so I knew I couldn't work. I couldn't be employed in two places at once. So um, I just decided I'll go self-employed and work it out. And then once I started doing that, then it kind of... I started doing social media and LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the whole lot. And then it just ended up that people just started contacting me and being like, you know, even if they wanted to do, say, like a like a social media package on it and go, you know, we really, really want to promote the work that we do, but can we get you in to do a certain job and we'll do, you know, videos on it and do like a like a marketing type thing with it as well so it's kind of evolved into that now wow um which is pretty cool that is really cool yeah um yeah so this this running before walking where you know you 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 were way ahead of yourself yeah. and you didn't know the basics can you just kind of like describe some of the things that you didn't hadn't hadn't quite learned and then you know you get out on your own you're and then you're standing there and you have to do something or you do don't do something quite right. And the person that you're contracting was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I can, actually, I, I can think of a very specific. Please job. do tell. <laughs> um, so there was a, a Ronald Cleo uh, and it was NNP. It was Rouge Flame, which is a, um, a three stage tinted clear coat. And basically, if you don't know what you're doing, that is the one color that is going to pick. It's going to pick the good painters out from the bad painters. And I was told before to do it, before I done it, you know, paint the backs of the panels. If it's a new panel on it, paint the backs of the panels, fit it to the car and paint it on the car. And I didn't do it. I just went, no, nah, I know how to paint. I'll, I'll I'll just, you know, take it was new wing. It was new wing, blend door, blend bonnet, blend bumper. Um. And I said, no, I'm not painting it on the car. So I just took it off and um, painted the wing as if it was a standard like metallic. And whenever we fitted the wing, it matched at the top. But because I sped up coming down at the bottom, it was like pink instead of red on the bottom. So then I had to stay, obviously, as well, being self-employed, I have to stay and fix that in my time. And I'm not getting paid for that. <laughs> um I very quickly learned that um, I wasn't as good of a spray gun as I once thought I was. That's that's so great. Like, man, I'm so excited right now. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I should be this excited, but like, 
it's so rare that one, how many people out there are in your position where you're uh, a freelance painter, first of all, number two from Ireland. And I'm going to put a heavy emphasis on how badass that is just because I'm biased and I can do that. It's my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and number three, like you're, you're an entrepreneur, which I am like, I can't think of a better quad or trifecta going on here. Like, it's just like, I, I just can't think of a better episode out of all the, all the ones that I've done right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So the, you obviously have to sand that back down, reshoot it. And what was that like eating? We have a saying called eating crow. I don't know if you have the same saying in Ireland, but you basically have to go back to the person that you were like, nah, I got this. I know how to run a paint gun and then fit it on the car. And then that person comes over and goes, Oh, uh, you know how to run a paint gun, huh? So why, why is that not match? And then yeah. you had to like, again, we call it eating crow. I don't know why we call it eating crow, but you must've taken that pretty well in stride though. You must've been like, okay, you know what? I maybe I, no, I didn't. you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you threw a fit did you blame the paint gun <laughs> no i didn't blame anybody else i was annoyed at myself Got but um i definitely i didn't take it i didn't take a while <laughs> I, I think i actually had to go home and then come in the next day because there's been too many times you know you get yourself into a tiz about it and then you just make it 10 times worse yep. and you just keep making mistake after mistake so i just went you know what i'm gonna go home I'm gonna go to sleep i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna fix it in the morning you know you know um, what's so great about that rachel is that there are a lot of people out there a lot of people that would have gone oh well it's obviously the paint like it's clearly no, the paint, the paint. <laughs> <laughs> no. i could have been the most expensive paint in the world and i still would have done the same thing <laughs> hey guys adam from the podcast i hope you are enjoying today's episode just wanted to ask you a quick favor if the show has brought you value in some way, would you mind giving us a review and sharing the show? It really helps the show get out there. Also, if you are looking to expand the services that your shop offers and you want to do more than collision work, you should really check out our company, Clarity Coat. Clarity Coat is a peelable paint that allows body shops to offer color changes cheaper than a repaint while still looking like real paint. You can also offer clear protection that has no edges and is sprayed instead of laid. Unlike vinyl and PPF, Clarity Coat can be sanded and polished, so you can give your customer the exact look that they are wanting. If you are looking to expand your shop's services, go to claritycoat.com and fill out our Become an Installer form. All right, let's get back to the show. You then had to make half of what you did to kind of learn from these contractors on how to do some of these basics correctly. Can you kind of like walk us through what you mean by that or what some of the some some examples if you can? So um, I basically had to half my wage because in my head I went, if I'm if I'm charging the full rate, they're going to want somebody that they don't have to be anywhere near and they can just say, look, you know, here's a job, do it start to finish. So because I needed them to be on the same job as me, because as well, I wanted to learn how to weld and I wanted to do metal work more and kind of expand my skills rather than just being solely a painter, because that's what I was um so to learn that i needed their time so the only way i could sell that to them was look you've got a full fully qualified painter so i can do your paintwork without you being here and that's saving you time 
but in your you know spare time super lunch and stuff can you teach me how to weld how to do panel work or whatever um so that was the only way I, I could get that um and it it was it was good but it was kind of annoying at the same time because you know all my friends were you know employed and had however amount of money coming in every month and I had half of that but then you know now I can I can do what I want I can um I can do all of the jobs from start to finish quite comfortably I don't need people around me whereas they're still doing the same job Mm -hmm. so I mean sometimes you have to take a step back to take a step forward um and I definitely had to do that then and I needed I needed sort of the wake-up call because I was I was just 19 and full of it you know (laughs) everybody gets it um okay so you you take on these jobs to learn how to do other parts of the trade welding metal fabricating uh well metal fabricating or just metal work like learning how to work the panels and stuff yeah more metal work like trying to take dance out without filler and all that kind of stuff um so how long are you learning how i mean i'm sure you're still learning these things at this point in time but um how long is it before you're com confidently taking on metal work and paint work and uh sorry not paint work uh metal work to where you're confident that you can do it yourself and you don't need um somebody else's help um i'm not sure i don't get i don't get as much practice as i'd like um so I actually I went to do the glue pulling. I done a course in it in um in England. I I work quite closely with um Keiko. They've been so supportive of everything that I've done. And um whenever I was over, I was working in England at the start of last month and I had a day off and I said to Kevin from Keiko, Do you mind if I come down and can you teach me a few bits? Um so for that because I really want to learn it because it's completely different and the way I look at it with like EV vehicles coming in you know with this you don't have to down you don't have to um power it down or anything like because you're not actually welding anything and you're not breaking the paint you know it, it, it seems easier um so now what I do is if we get say like a, a dealership car that came in like a trade car I would maybe say to them look maybe there's a dent that's not down to get done do you mind if I have a go at it I'm not going to charge you. It's not going to look any worse than what it is, but I might get it out, you know, for my sort of practice. But I don't think I'll ever be, I don't think I'm ever going to be a, like a, a, a dent repair technician, but I am happy enough to take on my own work. Like I, I, I do do quite a lot of, um, you know, work from start to finish. That to me is really cool and interesting in the fact that <clears throat> it's so easy to be, uh, what we call a one trick pony where you yeah. just do the one thing and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that right where you become so good at that one thing that you're basically world renowned or um, city renowned state renowned whatever it might be right so there's not necessarily anything wrong with that but I think <clears throat> all too often what happens is that people learn how to do something really, really well. And then they never really progress. They just kind of get to the kind of like what you were saying, you're only going to be as good as your environment, right? So if your environment is just a bunch of, for lack of a better better term, a bunch of Mako painters, and they're all crap, 
well, then you're going to be the best Mako painter there is. But then you try to go <laughs> up against someone who really knows how to paint. Then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, shit, I don't really know anything at all. And yeah. um, so the fact that it seems like you really enjoy challenging yourself and constantly being like, you know what? Like, that looks interesting. I'm going to go learn how to do it. Have you always kind of been that open-minded and inquisitive about lots of different things? Or is this just something that it's this just industry that does it to you? I think it's the industry. There, there's a lot of things that I've now, like, if you had asked me five years ago to do this, I would have said no at a run. Like, I didn't do and I hated being on camera. I hated, um, I hated public speaking. I hated, like, I, I was really shy. And I just wanted to be on my own. Whereas, like, I've now done, like, stand on stages talking about, like, the industry and stuff. I do um, careers talks in schools with kids and showing them, you know, they don't have to go to university. They can get a trade. Um, and I think it's the trade. It's, it's it's the industry that does it because everybody is so, like, you know what a workshop floor is like? You know, you have to, you have to be, you can't be shy. <laughs> you have to, you have to be out there to, to fit in. And I, I think it brings it out of you. So that's what I always say um, whenever I do the skills talks, you know, that you see kids come in and they go, oh, no, but I'm, I'm too shy. Like, I wouldn't be able to do it. And I'm going, I didn't speak to anybody before I, I'd done the trade. Like, in school, like, you could, if you put me in a, a social environment, I would have panicked. Whereas now, um, I've got used to it. You're, you're great. I think it's a trade that comes out. <laughs> um, you know, funnily enough, I was the exact same way. So when I went from uh, high school to my tech school, in high school, I was a, I was a weird, like, just uh, solo kid. Like, I just wanted to be by myself. Um, and then. I can still remember this. When I went to college, I was like, you know what? Screw that. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I just said, you know, I'm just going to be, I'm going to try and be someone completely different. I know this is such a, this is like such a a movie type thing where like the butterfly gets reborn, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. And I will say that I did have some people in college that definitely helped me become who I am today. But I can confidently tell you that the people who knew me in high school, would don't recognize the person that I am now because it is just two completely different people. Um, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that because I don't want to be the person that I was in high school. I'm proud of where I am now and I love what I'm doing now. And yeah, but funnily enough, you, so you're talking about going to these colleges and talking to these kids about, you know, going into the industry and everything like that. There is this joke that I have which is that there is such a thing as called entrepreneurship school, like an entrepreneurship class that you would take at university. And they always ask me to come back every single year. And I have no idea why, because every single time we started off, I'm like, honestly, if you're in this class, you're probably not going to make it anyways, because like, learning (laughs) how to be an entrepreneur from a college class, like, get out of here. It's, it's just, yeah it just doesn't work. Like you just don't ha- like, you don't have it. Right. But that's me being critical of people. But one of the things I always talk to people about, and I'm, I'm going to talk to you about this, the, that I talk to these kids about in college. And I'll talk to you about this because I feel like you would somewhat understand this. 
is I always ask them, why do you want to do this? And there was, I think it was the first year I did this. There was a kid who shouted out, I want to make a bunch of money. I was like, okay, I'm glad you said that. (laughs) Let's break this down. I said, for the first two years that I owned my business, I didn't take any money home. It literally just went straight back into the business. And then we start. So then I kind of start going through this and I say, if by chance, I think at this point there was like 20 kids in this class. I said, statistically speaking, I want you guys to all look around you and realize that in one year, 50% of you guys are going to be gone. There's only going to be 10 of you left. In three years, there's only um, 20% of the 10 that are going to be left. And at five years, there's only going to be like 10% of those people left. So there's only like one to three people left out of this 20 kid group that are actually going to own businesses five plus years later. And then I tell them, and by the way, congratulations, because you probably have some sort of drug um, addiction, alcohol addiction, (laughs) sex addiction. You're probably divorced. Like, congrats. (laughs) You made it. I was like, so you really got to fucking wonder why the hell you that you're doing this. And yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you do you agree with that sentiment or what's what's your thoughts on that? I, I completely it's too difficult to not love it. You can't just do it for money. Yep. Like you, you can't cuz you have to be passionate about what you're doing. Like I love my I eat sleep and breathe my job. I love it. I love cars. I love paint. Like even if I'm not in work, like if I'm out with friends and we're like out somewhere, I'm looking at a car and I'm going did you know that that's a three-stage like pin system or not? <laughs> and everyone's like, I don't care. But because I, cause I love it, like, if it doesn't work and I don't make money out of something, I'm not that annoyed about it. I'm like, I'll get it in the long run. But And you have to be like that because you win some and you lose some. And if you're constantly looking at the money, you give up. I'd have given up years ago. Yeah, 100%. I don't think I'd have even got through my first year. So... I'm kind of curious. You said that you are doing a lot, but like you're doing TikTok and like social media and everything like that. What's kind of the, what's the stuff that you're posting on there? Is it just your jobs that you're doing that day and, and, and everything like that? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so what I'm trying to focus a lot of my time on now is I kind of want to promote the industry as an actual career choice because I'm not sure what it's like with you, but over here, like, the trades really looked down upon like I remember going to like friends houses and their parents going what do you do and I'm like oh I work on cars and they're like all right and that's it you know there's no there's no interest in it and they, they don't look at it as an actual career they look at it oh if you can't do anything else just go and fix cars and it's not what it is and I've got so much out of the trade like I've got so much out of the industry I have met all these amazing people. I've been to, I've been to Red Bull F1, which was so cool. I went to their headquarters in Milton Keynes, and it was actually probably the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, and I've I've met all these amazing people. I've gone to all these amazing countries. Like I've I've spoke on stage in Monaco, which is mental. I've done a a road trip for charity. Um, me and a a girl mechanic uh, from Birmingham. Um, we got um a nineteen ninety three rover, 
um, two on six Cabernet, and <laughs> we had seven hundred and fifty pound to buy it, and we had to. So I painted it, she fixed it, and we drove it from England to Monaco and back, and it made it. Wow! Until about a hundred yards from her house, and the and the CV joint went. <laughs> There's no drive, so we had to push it at like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> What uh, roughly how far of a distance is it from um, from where you're at to Monaco? It was just short of two thousand miles. Two thousand miles, okay. And we done it in four days, three three days, wow. four days. Okay. Um, right. and there was a whole group of us doing it because we did it for charity, and it was amazing. And I've got that from starting an apprenticeship painting cars, and you know kids don't see that; they just see. Oh, if you do an apprenticeship painting cars, that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Whereas the skills are so transferable. And there's so many other careers that then pop up at the end of it. So now my social media is now based around that. So I'm showing what I'm doing, the places I'm getting to go, the, the things I'm getting to do. So that I can then go into schools and go look, have a look at my Facebook, look at my Instagram, go on to TikTok. And you can see that it's not just painting cars. It's everything. That's so incredible. So awesome. Um, and to answer your question, as a whole, the service-based industries are looked down upon here, yeah. right? Um, you, This is starting to come around now. And I am so happy that it is because I have been saying for years that the service-based industries, electricians, plumbers, mechanics, whatever it might be, you're going to run out of people. And when you run out of people, that means <clears throat> that the demand for you or us gets higher. And when the demand for us gets higher, we get to go around and say, well, I want more money now. And yeah. over here, there is plenty of mechanics, painters, and stuff like that making over six figures a year. Easy. No problem whatsoever, right? Well. The only way that that um, business can sustain paying those people that wage is by increasing their wages. And then what happens is, is some politician has to get his house rewired and then nearly dies from a heart attack when he gets a bill for 25 grand and then says, what do you, how? And then they finally figure out, oh, it's because there's not enough kids going to school. And then that's when the whole process changes, right? That's when the whole narrative changes about um trade schools and everything like that now do you guys have um shop class over there so in grade school do you have a class where you go to learn about mechanics and everything like that so that used to be a really big thing over here right you'd go to wo woodworking class so you'd learn start to learn how to do carpentry um yep. you used to have mechanic class and everything like that and pretty much almost all schools got rid of that because it was too expensive well yeah. now they're starting to realize like oh shit actually <laughs> you know this isn't a bad idea to yeah. have because we need these people we need to have these kids going to tech schools and learning how to do these things because this is an essential part of our economy and our um our infrastructures to have people that want to do these things um so it is turning around here do you, a personal hero of mine is um uh mike Rowe. do you are you aware of micro? Oh, no. You're going to love micro. Look up micro dirty jobs and Rachel, you, you're going to have days <laughs> of 
just the best content you could ever watch okay um i'll oh, no. i'll send it to you uh when we're done with this um but mike in the u.s is literally plowing forward grants scholarships and all these things just for service-based businesses and that's like or service-based industries like kid wants to go to electrical school cool i'll pay for you to go to school and your way and everything like that like he is literally plowing that whole field forward and as well there are i've interviewed a couple of different people on this podcast that get kids get grants to go to um tech schools and get that done for free brandon eckenrod um i forget the industry or sorry the body that he represents that's what they do we had um another gal that was right around the same age as you on who she went to tech school for body um to be a painter and they literally wrote off all of her school school student loan debt so i and i'm not sure how this works over in ireland but um she was going to graduate college with i think it was like twenty thousand dollars or twenty five thousand dollars in debt just to go to school and they just completely wrote that off. I don't remember how much exactly it was, but how does that work? How does that work over there? Um, so if you do an apprenticeship, if you go to university, you have to pay for it and you'll end up with a student loan and, and debt. But if you do an apprenticeship, um, it's government funded uh, with the employer and the, and the college. So um, I also, then you also get a wage while you're doing it. It's not much. Mine was, I got three pound twenty an hour, um. But it's it's something. It's better than nothing at, at seventeen. <laughs> um, and so then, because it's it's half government funded, but we also have um. There's an accident repair um or an accident uh, management company that do scholarships. I think they fund two students a year in Belfast. To um, they you know pay all their tuition. And all that kind of stuff. So then it helps the employer. So it's more an incentive for the employer to take on apprentices because a lot of them, we find a lot of them use them kind of as slave labor. And then they finish their time and they go, Oh, this guy, this guy can't paint. And you're going, You didn't teach him. Like just because he, <laughs> just because he went to college, it doesn't mean he can do it. He still has to do it during the day. But they've been using him to like brush floors and empty bins. And it, it, it's hard to get them to want to teach them because I know it, it costs them money. I can see both sides of the, the argument, but you know, it's a future thing. It's not something that you just pick a first year apprentice and he can just do everything. It's not how it works. Yeah. yeah. Would you, I know this is going to be a very difficult question to answer, but if someone were to go all the way through university and I don't even know if this is a fair question to ask, but what, what's the average amount of debt that someone would graduate university from if they didn't do the apprenticeship thing? Like how much are we talking? Well, I was going to go to uni. So um, I was going to go to university in England and it was 9,000 pound a year. Okay. Yeah. And I wanted to do medicine, which is seven years. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) to be, to be a nurse or what were you going to, what were you going to do? I actually wanted to do pathology. What's I seen CSI and I was like, I want to do forensic. <laughs> oh, you okay? You you identified um, with uh, what's her face? Um, what's her name? I don't remember what her name is. Gabby. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's her name. I can't remember. I watched it whenever she, I was younger. She's got the ponytails but... and then like the boots and everything. Yeah. Um, 
that's what I wanted to do. And then I seen seven years in university and went, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want yeah, to. If it involves math and biology, I'm out. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> Um, but I think what you're doing now arguably has so much more of an impact out there than you could have ever have done in the health field. And that is crazy to say because you look at the health field and you're like, oh, well, you're saving lives and you're out there. And uh, there is a problem that we have in America. And, and I'm guessing you probably have a similar problem over in Ireland, which is you have all these kids that are. 16 to 18 years old and they do not want to go to university they do not want to go to college but they yeah. kind of feel like they have to because like what yeah. what else are you going to do right well if they have someone that they can identify with and look to and say oh we're you know we're roughly the same and she's out having fun and doing these things she's working hard but she's you're presenting an option for these kids to go out and possibly do something other than um, the traditional route of going to university or apprenticeship or whatever. Not only that, <clears throat> but they're able to take something, show it to their parents and say, hey, like she's out here doing this and she's making a great living. And look at how complicated it is to paint a car to fix it. Like this is not simple stuff. And then you start to bring the parents on board to where they um they realize that it is not something to be ashamed of or that you're settling somehow to be in the yeah. industry have you had an encounter at all with a student or a parent or anything like that that you um that you help them realize this yeah um quite a few actually i get quite a lot of emails um you know from kids that have gone Oh, my mum said, you know, she watches a soap on the TV, a soap opera, and it's like, oh, such and such does it, and it's a really dirty job, and you're not doing it. And then they've kind of been like, I've seen that you can, you've can, you done it, and you can do it, so that's made me, I'm now doing it. And it's amazing that it's, there's no money in the world that is better than that. Like, it, it's the coolest feeling ever. Um and there's been a couple of times at careers events um you know you've had a, a like a, a kid come over and they're looking at the like you know we have videos up of me painting and all that kind of stuff and they're interested and their parents are like pulling them away so then I'll immediately try and speak to that kid and then you see the parents like kind of pull them back and I'm like hang on a second look I done it and I've got to do all these amazing things. Um, I've been to all these countries. I've not just stuck to painting cars as well. So it's because everything's transferable and they're not aware of it. Like that, I think that's the main issue of it. Like there's this stereotype of mechanics and car painters and um, metal workers that it's really dirty. There's no like career progression because they see 60 year old men still painting cars or still panel beating. But it's because they didn't want to do anything else. Like the, the the trade or the industry is very much what you put in is what you get out. And some people don't want to do that. They want to stay in a job for their entire life. And that's fine. And it's a great job if you want to do that. But there's also all these millions of options that people just aren't aware of. And I think if we can get that into parents' and teachers' heads, that's half the problem solved. Yeah. Because they're just not aware. They just don't know. Yeah. Um so much of what 
any service-based industry has to go through is just the the preconceived notion of what people think that job is. Some of the smartest people I know are mechanics or painters or whatever. You there's actually this um this short or this reel or this TikTok that's gone around and it's based off of a YouTube video. And I don't remember what the company or the channel is called on YouTube, but they do these um they do these group tests where it's um one through six, right? And one of the one the one that I'm referring to is there's this there's these six kids and one of them is like this triple PhD biology major girl and you know blah 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 and they all took an IQ test. And then the other guy is a um eight year Marine, been in the been in the Marines for like eight years, right? He's recently um not graduated, but um moved on from it. And they start off by having to rank themselves and saying where they think everyone else um, ranks IQ wise. And the end of the video comes out and the people present who actually has the highest IQ and the girl with like the triple PhD in biology and everything was last in IQ. And the Marine was like number three or something like that. So he's like middle of the pack. And I love videos like that because it's basically, it's helping put out there that, it doesn't matter if you've passed school. It doesn't matter. These things don't matter. It doesn't actually, it doesn't actually have anything to do with your IQ. And not only that, mm-hmm. but going past that, we all know someone who is book smart and then they're street smarts, right? My, yeah. my wife could run circles around me in an Excel spreadsheet and figuring out numbers and everything like that. Right. I would run she would die in the zombie apocalypse straight up like just she would have no hope (laughs) she is not stupid she like she is not dumb we're just smart in different ways right and one of the other things that i that we have realized in our marriage is that there's there's iq and there's also eq right whether or not you can pick up on other people's emotions really well or you can you could judge people really well, right? Well, she has yeah. bottom tier garbage level <laughs> EQ. She couldn't she couldn't tell the difference between a person and a rodent. Like it, she just doesn't she just doesn't get it. Me on the other hand, it doesn't take me too long to meet someone. I'm like, okay, I I dig this person. Like I I I think they're they're all right. Now, obviously, I'm not always yeah. right 100 percent of the time, but it's amazing to me that in life those those qualities have nothing to do with school or anything else like that. And they have so much more of an impact on what your life is actually like than anything else that you've done. That's that people think is important, like school or anything like that. Would you, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I completely agree. Like in school, you're not taught any life skills. You know, you come out and yeah, maybe you know how to like measure an angle of a triangle, like fantastic never had to do that <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> Pythagorean's theorem really helped me out <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing to use it every day I'm never but um look I, I, whenever I left school like I didn't even I didn't even know you could paint cars like that sounds so stupid but I literally thought you crashed your car and you just got a new one or they just stuck new panels on like I, I didn't know because why would I you know, it wasn't until I actually done it and I went, whoa, like, this is so cool. But 
but even like just general everyday stuff like I've had to learn tax and everything by myself because you're not taught any of that like I done business studies in school not not once have I used any of it to run my own business I could tell you loads about different types of businesses but I didn't know how to run one and it's so stupid it's not it's not stupid it's it's not yeah it's a different kind of it's a different kind of um you just don't yeah it gives you good grounding but that's it, it they don't actually go into proper skills that you need on a daily basis yeah yeah um it's it's a really good example as to there is layers to everything right there yeah. is what the public sees on the outside and has the general notion of how things are done and then there's the next layer in the next layer in the next layer in and the only way that you get to see those layers is by peeling back one layer at a time and or just being a part of that thing when it's going on um so obviously america you know we're known for movies right like and shows people have no idea what goes into the making of a movie or anything like that they think that the, the actors just show up and then they're just like yeah, I'm here to act today. Like, just give me some lines, brah. And then, like, and then... And they do it in one yeah, take. Yeah, they just do it in one take. And then you you see the behind-the-scenes footage of a, of a movie and or you get to be a part of something like that, which I have, and you realize that there is a t- so much work that goes into something like that. And yeah. there, there's just so many layers to a production or anything. Have you have you ever had the privilege of being beside someone or knowing someone that started off an entire house build or being the general contractor for an entire house build? No. If you want to see I, my, some, my grand and granda done it when they were younger, but I obviously wasn't about. But if that's about the closest. If you want to see something awe inspiring, yeah, find someone who's a I general contractor and has to start a job from beginning to end and organizing all of that. That man could lead an entire army of people into battle. No fucking problem whatsoever. And he would be figuring out the logistics of lunch and dinner on the backside of it at the same fucking time. Like the amount of organization that you need to do those kinds of things is just nuts. Crazy. Yeah. I I built my own shed and just the, the amount of organizing and logistics and everything. And, shit that that took i was like man i don't ever want to do this like this is great i'm glad i did it but fuck that (laughs) there's people for that um okay rachel uh last thing that i kind of want to ask you um where do you see the industry going like is is there something on the horizon that you've seen like technology wise and or just like in general that you you see the industry going towards that has you psyched or that you want to talk about or anything like that? I honestly don't know where the industry is going because it changes so quickly. You think, you know, you, you get this sort of like grasp of what way you think it's going and then it goes this way. And I think that's the best bit of the industry because it's not boring because you're not doing the same thing every day. You know, there's new technologies coming out, whether it be like EV vehicles, hybrids, hydrogen, whatever. Or if it's paint technology, so like um, we're really going through like an energy crisis at the minute. Um, bills are disgusting. So like you know, I've heard of body shops; their running costs are up five hundred percent. 
and then you know the end customer then you, you lose like general retail work because it now has to go through insurance because something that was 150 pound is now 650 pound and they can't see that they think you're just ripping them off but like electricity gas oil the whole lot's through the roof so now we're seeing a lot of um low energy uh paint systems coming out so that that rover that i was talking about that we done the um the road trip in so i got to go over to exalta which um they're, they're one of the, the main paint companies in the world and um i went to their uk um training academy to paint this car and the whole idea was we painted it in the low energy system um to try and promote this to body shops um going forward and like it dries so quickly and there's no heat involved kind of idea um which is really cool and you're seeing so many of these things coming out and the likes of uv um primers and clear coats are now starting to come out um again to try and battle the issues that we're sort of seeing in the body shops at the minute so i genuinely don't know i don't i don't know what's coming but it's it's cool you know everything's different every day even colors coming out you know, now you're getting the, the tinted clear coats, the candies, which you maybe only would have seen on like custom lowriders and stuff like that, is now coming through the general like body shops and you know, technicians are now becoming more skilled, which again only just enhances the industry as a career choice because it's now not um it's not simple at all. It never was, but it, it it's specifically not now. Everything is so complicated, whether you're um whether you're doing painting, metalwork, mechanicing, detailing, all of it now, it's 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 all really complicated, and I love it because it, it changes every day, and I I wouldn't change it for the world, but I have no idea what way it's gonna go. Awesome, genuinely. Uh, Rachel, if people wanted to find you, where could they uh, where could they find you? Um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and YouTube as paint by rich paint by rich awesome yeah. uh guys please go follow her like she's just doing some crazy awesome things i'm gonna spend the rest of my afternoon just watching paint by rage and that's <laughs> that's it <laughs> so uh rachel thank you so much for coming on today truly was a pleasure having you on and i i'm so excited for what you have going on what you have going on in the future uh, i'm really looking forward to it Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you. You've been listening <laughs> to the Auto Body Podcast presented by Clarity Code. Our passion is to talk to and about anyone in the industry from painters, body guys, manufacturers, and anyone in between. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, visit us at ClarityCoat.com and find us on Facebook and YouTube at Clarity Coat. See you next time on the Auto Body Podcast.